Welcome to a new episode of Hogging the Mic. This time we will be talking all about basketball. That is right, folks. We are deep in basketball season. And since our football game was canceled over the weekend and moved to this weekend, we only have basketball to talk about. Saul, would you please introduce yourself to these fine listeners we have? What's up, party people? First basketball pod of the season. Really excited uh, to talk about Hog basketball. Two impressive wins up front from the men's team. And, of course, Lady Hogs are freaking ranked. So a lot to really dig into. Really looking forward to it. Yeah, it's uh, really, you know, kind of shaping up to be what could be a pretty fun year in basketball. So without further ado i think it's time that we bring in a little extra help for the podcast i am happy to announce that we have got arkansas fight and hog hoops is ben brandon joining us welcome ben hey guys thanks for having me so excited to uh, join you guys today to talk about the greatest thing in the world and that's arkansas basketball damn right brother <laughs> the greatest uh, just simply the greatest. Let's get into it. We are an also receiving votes team, and <laughs> we have racked up two impressive wins. One 80-point win over Mississippi Valley State, who may not be that good, and one pretty good win over a North Texas team who gave us a heck of a fight. That Mississippi, Sta- uh, Mississippi Valley State score was 142 to 62, and the North Texas game was 69 to 54. Nice. Nice. Uh, <laughs> I guess to start off, Ben, I have a question for you. Okay. Is Connor Vanover the best number 23 to ever play basketball? So- Many are saying this, Ben. <laughs> Don't get this wrong. <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's an incredible question. And. You know, I'm I'm typically a Michael Jordan guy. Don't shoot me. We're, we're not going to have the goat talk because that's one of the worst places in the internet to go is the goat talk for basketball. Oh, uh, but Connor place. Vanover, my goodness. I mean, the blocks, the rebounding, the three-point shooting, the guy's been all over the place. And, and, and you really look like at the number 23 in Arkansas history, like Arkansas basketball history, there's really not a whole lot of tradition there. And so if he keeps up at this pace – it's not out of reach for him to be the greatest number 23 to wear the Razorback uniform. And I'm all on board for that. Put, put his number in the, in the rafters. Let's do it. Yeah. Hang the Jersey. Uh, I have, I would, I wish I had like, I will get into like some deeper analysis of Connor's game, but I just want to say up front, it rules having a dude on your team. That's over seven feet tall. Yeah. He's he's the, the tallest player in Arkansas Razorback basketball history. There's never been anybody seven foot three to wear the hog uniform so it's it's great to see every night i think it it was a little surprising to me i don't know if this was the case for you but uh seven foot three guys usually you know have some stamina issues and endurance issues they usually can't play that long but he's been playing some pretty solid minutes in these games yeah it's been kind of surprising uh like you said you know, typically speed is is not something associated with somebody that tall. And not that he's really fast, but uh, he's really moved a lot better than I expected. He's gotten up and down the court. The other night against North Texas, he he gets the block, gets the rebound, passes ahead, and is then the one that rebounds the miss and dunks it in on a fast break. And so <laughs> he's been able to run up and down the floor pretty well, uh, I think better than most would have expected. 
Yeah. Have you ever seen Hunter Pence play baseball? And it's, I know it's what it seems like. It's not going anywhere. But like Hunter Pence plays baseball. He looks like the most unathletic person I've ever seen. I'm like, how are you a professional baseball player? I guess were since he retired. Um, sure. And, and that's how I feel watching Connor play basketball because like he does not look or move in any way athletically. But like watching him play, you're not like, that's an athlete. You're like, oh, that's a tall guy that can shoot. But what what is crazy is like you said he is sneaky athletic like he's got a little bit of speed on the fast break can play a little bit in transition has more to offer than just being like a tall guy that can protect the rim he's got some some really cool tools that we've seen him use and you know I got a little nervous when he went down against North Texas I was like oh no you know he, he got like he got up clutching his ankle and I was like well there goes his rest of his life you know he's done anytime a guy seven foot tall or over gets up holding his ankle it's never great news but he rebounded kind of quickly, so maybe some pliability and some like actual deep digging sort of you know injury. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Tenacity there. So some other some some really cool tools to like about Connor's game. You know, as long as Connor doesn't adopt the Hunter Pence crazy eyes, <laughs> I, 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 I think we'll be okay because we all know that that Pence has got the crazy eyes. If Connor doesn't adopt that, I think we'll be okay. Ben, you've talked a couple of times about looking for who it is that is the guy on this team. And a couple of years past, you know, you've tweeted, this is Mason Jones's world and we're all living in it. This is Daryl Macon's world and we're all living in it. Is there a guy like that this year or is the roster turnover such that maybe it's going to be more of a team effort? It's a really tough question, and you know I've kind of patented that a little bit on Twitter. You know, tweeting that during games. You know, Jalen Barford would get a chase down block, and I'll just tweet that in all caps because I'm losing my mind in my living room <laughs> as it happens. But finding that guy this year is is really difficult so far. You know, this roster has so much versatility, a lot of people that can score, and then because there's so many newcomers. You know, Musselman, I really think, is going to play with the lineups a lot. I mean, we only had really, really only six guys play against North Texas, right? I mean, you had two guys play less than Mm -hmm. 10 minutes. Uh, So right now, it's really too early to tell. Uh, You know, you'd love to see Moses Moody step up. Desi Sill is is the leadership guy. Justin Smith has kind of been the guy so far. He's been the most consistent, scoring the ball, defends one through five. So it really really might be by committee, you know, being the guy this year. Do you think that that can be, uh, I don't want to say a problem, but like, because it is a good problem to have, especially considering some of the depth issues that we've had in the past, but you know, in searching for a rotation, what happens if you have 10 guys that you want to play instead of just having a solid, you know, starting five and then your couple of bench guys who come off to in relief? Well, I I think the issues you can run into is, you know, for example, uh, the other night against North Texas, you know, KK Robinson, who's a freshman that's shown a lot of promise. He only played about, I think six minutes and another freshman, Jalen Williams in his first game nearly has a trip uh, or a double double and he doesn't touch the court at all. And with those freshmen man, confidence is everything. And if they're not getting to play, you have to worry about how does that hinder their confidence? They're out of a rhythm. Um, but, man, when when you have options and your bench is deep, it, it's so much better than when you're relying on your starters to play 33 minutes or more a night. How far do you think this team can go? I obviously think that this team came in with some pretty reasonably high expectations with 
the JUCO transfers coming in, the transfers from elsewhere coming in, and then having an incredible recruiting class, like a top 10 recruiting class. And uh, I don't know, it feels to me like, and maybe this is wrong, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels to me like this team could be poised to make a run in some tournaments if if basketball has tournaments this year yeah <laughs> ben are we a team that could make some noise absolutely uh <laughs> and, and, I, and i've said this for several months now you know writing articles trying to find content in the middle of summer you know where we just think about the possibilities and you drink the kool-aid a little bit uh absolutely when you when you have the versatility that this team has when you have the athleticism and the length that this team has uh, you can be a matchup nightmare for any given team uh, when, when you have so much versatility and so many different guys that can that can shoot the ball and so many different guys that can score the ball in a multitude of ways. Uh, with that said, with all these newcomers, chemistry can be a problem. Figuring out those roles can be a problem. And so it really could be an incredible year with a deep run or it could be a disappointing year if those roles and chemistry isn't figured out in a timely manner. How do we rate, I guess, uh, the men's basketball status right now versus the women's? Because it looks to me, at least on the outset, that Mike Neighbors has got the women's team humming right now. I mean, they had the loss to Maryland, but ranked in the top 20. I think there are 16 after the poll came out today. Are they ahead of the men's team in the kind of, re not rebuild, but maybe restructuring department? Yeah, I think that's fair to say, and and it's not a knock on what Eric Musselman has done, and it's not a hey, let's build a statue of Mike Neighbors today. You know, you're not you're not you're not over exaggerating <laughs> one and and tearing down another. You know, Mike Neighbors is is another year further along than Eric Musselman, and and he's gotten some great players, an incredible transfer from Oregon State, and some players to return. Where Eric Musselman's still kind of getting his identity into the program where I think Mike Neighbors probably already has his culture totally established. Personally, I don't see – maybe this is my bias as an Arkansas fan, and I'm sure <laughs> that I'll make a lot of Arkansas fans mad by jinxing it, but I kind of see Arkansas, at least in basketball, from the tradition and the history that we have at the school – as you're not leaving Arkansas unless the job is like one of the true blue bloods of college basketball, like a Kentucky, a Duke, a UCLA, maybe. Do we worry about keeping Eric Musselman at all if, for example, the NBA comes calling, given that he made, you know, his money at the beginning of his career as a, an assistant in the NBA and then later as a coach? I think... There's always a safe worry with that. Um, it, it's the NBA. I mean, the lights are brightest there, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, just, there, there's, there's no, no bones about that. The, the lights are brightest there. With that said, uh, given that he's had his chances there already, uh, I, I don't know that he'll get that chance. And, and I don't think that's totally fair. I mean, if you look at what happened when he was with the Kings, if you look at what happened when he was with the Warriors, he kind of got an unfair shake in both scenarios. Uh so I don't think that's really fair, but at the same time, I don't know that 
will really see his name in those circles unless he does some unbelievable build a statue type things <laughs> at Arkansas. Yeah, and he's he seems to be bought into Arkansas, like the culture and being the coach of this team. Like he's a social media star as the coach of yes. the Arkansas men's basketball team. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. And like it's well deserved because his videos and his social presence are awesome. Like I love Eric Musselman be, like as a coach and as a person because of who he is. But, you know, I think he seems to be like really buying into sticking around here and like kind of establishing a brand and attaching himself to this program and its success and and, and and kind of writing that, which I think, you know, like I said, I have a healthy skepticism that anyone would, would turn down the NBA if offered the job. But at the same time, it's like if you build something up and like kind of entrench yourself and endear yourself to the people here at the university and around the state, like it, it does make it harder to leave when that decision does come. I mean, Sam Pittman has already said this is his last job. And granted, yeah. you know, Sam Pittman has wanted to coach at Arkansas, I'm sure, way more than – Eric Musselman ever did, but at the same time, it's like I think that that Fayetteville and University of Arkansas magic is kind of is kind of pulling in Must as well. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, look, it's no secret. I mean, we're Arkansas fans here, right? And and bias or not, it's a special place. It is when <laughs> when you're in the state of Arkansas and you are a part of the University of Arkansas, you are the Dallas Cowboys. Of the state of Arkansas. Like, there is, yeah. there's nothing else. That's it. And so you, you are the pro team. You are the college team. You're everything. Um, and that has its great things with it and its negative things with it. Uh, but I think he's definitely seen that. You know, I was at the Kentucky game last year in Bud Walton, and it was <laughs> the most unbelievable game I've ever attended as far as the crowd. Unbelievable. Yeah. And I've been to several like that at Bud Walton, but that one in particular was was nothing like I've seen. And you know that that is in his mind and his staff's mind uh, that, boy, how could you walk away from this? It'd be really tough to. Yeah. And it's funny that I, – it's funny, but, you know, I've, I've been graduated for a while, but my greatest Arkansas basketball memory was I was at the Arkansas-Kentucky game when Michael Qualls won it on that putback dunk. Um, and oh, yeah. it is – it easily my like I've seen a lot of cool stuff I've got to experience a lot of cool sports memories but like as far as an in-person sports thing that's my number one and like has not been has not been shaken or deterred by a couple other cool things I've got to experience in a long time like that still is like I was like oh this is the coolest thing I think I may have ever seen with my own two eyes and <laughs> five, like like four or five years five six years later that's still the case where I'm like yeah nothing has is I've no, haven't seen anything cooler in my own two eyes than Michael Qualls beating the University of Kentucky Wildcats <laughs> on a putback dunk. Like, <laughs> sorry, it, it, it was incredible. It was yeah. incredible. I, 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 in my small college dorm in Central Arkansas. I mean, I still remember watching the game, and you yeah. know, the he goes up and dunks the ball, and me and my friends in my room are going crazy, and we run out of our dorm room, screaming, running <laughs> up and down the hallways, and at the same time, other guys. And people come out of their dorm rooms doing the same thing because they were also watching the game. <laughs> I, I'll never forget that. It was insane. What, I guess, to kind of pivot towards the NBA a little bit, we obviously saw Isaiah Joe get drafted in the second round of the NBA draft, and then Mason Jones end up signing with the Houston Rockets after the draft. What do you think their futures look like? And, you know, we've had... Some Arkansas players end up carving out some pretty decent careers, even though maybe they weren't the highest drafted guys. I'm thinking particularly of like a Patrick Beverly type that yeah. he's made a great career in the NBA, despite not being a heralded guy coming into the league. How do you see Isaiah Joe and Mason Jones in the NBA? 
Well, uh, for Isaiah Joe, I, I feel pretty confident um, that he can he can have a career in the league, not just, uh, hey, I was drafted in the second round and kind of finished out my contract, and now I'm in Europe somewhere, which there's nothing wrong with that, and you can make a lot of money doing that. But uh, somebody like Isaiah, you know, he's a classic 3 and D type player in the NBA. Mm. He has that foundation. Sure, he needs to get stronger with the ball. Uh, he needs to get stronger defending a ball handler. He's a really good defender off the ball but needs some improvement when guarding uh, the ball handler. You know, he did sign a three-year deal earlier this week uh, worth about $4.2 million, two years, and $2.4 million uh, of that deal is is guaranteed. And, of course, he's with the 76ers, and, I mean, it's it's no secret. What, what have the 76ers done the last few years? <laughs> I mean, they've, tr- they've tried to play like five power forwards at the same time. Um, so they needed shooting, right? And so they added Danny Green. They added Seth Curry. And and now Isaiah Joe gets to be a part of that kind of shooting haul that they brought in. And and, and and the Sixers actually have been scouting Isaiah Joe since his freshman year at Arkansas. So like he has been yeah. on their board for several years. And so I was excited that he got to go to the team that's been so interested in him for so long. And, yeah. and then to kind of transition to Mason Jones, you know, I'm not as confident that um he can have a long NBA career, and I know that probably makes a lot of Arkansas fans mad. Um, you, you can't question his scoring ability, an incredible score. You can't question his work ethic. I mean, he has totally transformed his body in a few years, and yes. he even looks different now than he did during his last games as a Razorback. I mean, he worked like crazy this summer. Uh, but, you know, being a two-way contract guy with the Rockets, um, the Rockets aren't necessarily a team that, bring up players from the G League a lot historically in recent years. They just don't do that. With that Correct. said, <laughs> they do they they do have uh, a new front office. And, you know, if James Harden gets traded away or if Westbrook gets traded away, I mean, who knows what could happen. You know, they could be tanking before we know it. And <laughs> maybe maybe the new front office has a new f- philosophy. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but one thing I know for sure is you should never – totally count out Mason Jones because the kid just works, works, works. Yeah. And I, I think it, and this is me speaking to you as someone that's from Houston originally and as a, as a Rockets fan and has been for a long time. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm excited to see Mason Jones potentially get to work or like learn from James Harden yeah. um, as far as like developing that sort of tool. Like, like you said, he's already an amazing scorer, but I think James Harden is going to teach him. I know it sounds dumb, but our, James Harden is going to teach Mason Jones the art of getting fouled. And yeah. I mean, if, like he's going to, he's going to earn him some trips to the free throw line, I think. And, and yeah. that sort of thing. And, you know, granted, which he's already he's, pretty good at. Yeah, no, yeah, he's, I mean, he's really good at that already. Like, I just think James Harden is going to teach him how to do it professionally, like for money. So yeah. it's just like, <laughs> Getting I'm excited about that. Um, I get what I wanted to ask you to, um, I wanted to, you know, to get your thoughts on this is Bobby Portis signed with the Bucks. Um, yep. and it looks like he is going to have a chance to be, a like pretty steady minutes contributor to that team right away. Mm-hmm. Do you think that Bobby Portis signing with the Bucks was a good landing spot for him? Because I think he, I think it, it was, especially now that they aren't getting Bogdanovich, especially now right. that you were losing that piece. I think that elevates Bobby Portis up a little bit more. And I think Bobby Portis is going to see pretty significant minutes this season. And I think could kind of have a chance to flash in a way that besides his crazy game where he went where he went nuts with the Knicks last year like no one was <laughs> yeah. talking about Bobby yeah. Portis and I think this could be kind of a year where he 
kind of fulfills some of that promise that was around him when he got drafted by the Bulls and never really materialized in his years there and kind of flashed a couple times with the Knicks. I think giving Bobby Portis this kind of consistent rotational minutes on a very good team in the East is probably the NBA favorite, all things considered, going into next year. I mean, obviously you can't count LeBron and the Lakers ever, but I mean, if you're looking at a team that's at least favorite for the East, it's got to be the Bucks, and it's going to be cool to see Bobby Portis play on that team, but what role or like what does he do there in a way that, that makes sense for him? Well, first off, let me just say I'm I'm so thrilled that he's going to be on a good team finally. Yeah. For the uh, first time in his career. Yeah, for, right. I mean, a, a yeah. good team finally. And and again, it, I'm I'm a younger guy. I'm I'm under 30 and he he is my favorite racerback in my lifetime. Bobby Portis by far. And so I'm just so thrilled that he's on a good team finally. But you, you look at a guy like Giannis, you know, the up and coming superstar, already is a superstar, one of the best players in the league. You know, somebody like Bobby can kind of play that undersized five role and and go stand in the corner when Giannis is catching the ball at the free throw line and yeah. be ready to shoot. And he's really added that three-point shooting game to his arsenal since he got into the league. Yeah, he did it a little bit at Arkansas, but really has improved that. Um, so I'm really excited for, for that opportunity for him. And I think Bucks fans are going to be surprised because there's no doubt that Bobby Portis can score the basketball. Yeah, he had to learn how to play defense – at an NBA level, he needed to learn what what an actual offense is. No offense, Mike <laughs> Anderson lovers, uh, but but it, it, but it was I know good. At least two people that you just pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> I love Mike Anderson. Let it be known. I love Mike Anderson, but uh, it, it was good for Bobby to get to get some NBA offense knowledge since getting into the league, and so I'm excited to see what he does uh, in Milwaukee. Yeah, two things I would say is one, at least for the next week, we're all under thirty here. So uh, yeah. <laughs> I turned thirty. I turned thirty in like ten days. But for now, Happy bud, birthday. we're all we're all under thirty. Uh, I don't want to brag, <laughs> but yeah, I'm still under thirty. And uh, I guess what I'm excited about is like I feel like Bobby Portis kind of got not the buffs label, but kind of became a little bit of an afterthought when this guy like really flashed in college, like was a very good player. Like obviously was a parade all American in high school, like is a very good player. And just like we kind of discussed earlier, just got put on some really crappy teams. And I think this is going to be a cool chance for Bobby Portis to kind of like reestablish himself. Cause I know like most people think of Bobby Portis, they think about the time he fought his teammate in Chicago and like punched him to like <laughs> get, like earn, earn the spot on the roster, like whatever. Like, but that's like we and know he Bobby earned Portis. His spot after he punched he, the guy, I mean, the man, Miritich he, got traded. He absolutely yeah, and didn't he end up? Didn't he end up overseas? Yeah, he literally. Yeah, he I mean, the guy left the country. country. He punched he him to a different continent, which is impressive. <laughs> <laughs> it's like really cool. Like I, I love. I like. I think that's the thing is like we us three and like all Arkansas fans. We know Bobby Portis is just like incredible, like playmaker and like ability to get baskets and like really good offensive weapon. And I think it's, he's been kind of unfairly maligned in his NBA career. And I think this is a really good chance for him to get back on people's radar as like a basketball talent. Yeah, for sure. And again, the, the Knicks were a lot like the Sixers. I couldn't believe this last NBA offseason. You know, they were signing 30 power forwards. <laughs> and and then it pops up. I, I see it on the bottom of the ESPN ticker. Bobby Portis signs with the New York Knicks. I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, they have so many big men and he's just going to get lost in that. What happened a few years after... Uh, Bobby was drafted by Chicago. Chicago drafts Laurie Markkinen, and they get the other uh, the other big guy that was at Duke. I can't remember his name, but it's just everywhere he's been, they've continued to draft big man, and he's just been lost in the depth chart over and over. Yeah. 
Who do we look at on the current Arkansas team and see as NBA hopeful? Obviously, coming out of high school, Moses Moody was projected in some uh, draft previews that I saw as out of high school at number 15. Uh, do we see that as the case for him? And if anybody else on the team, is there anybody else that you think is NBA hopeful? Yeah, I think the number one guy without a doubt is Justin Smith. Uh, you're looking at a six foot seven guy that can guard one through five at the college level, can jump out of the gym. Uh, Arkansas fans that haven't really watched his highlight tapes from his Indiana days have not seen what this guy can do. Uh, some of the dunks that he did at Indiana, if Bud Walton was full, they would lose their minds. I'm telling you, this guy <laughs> is a freak athlete. And and what was kind of missing from his game the last few years in Indiana was the ability to shoot the three. Well, what happened in the red-white game? He, I th- I, he made threes. What did he made do? threes. What did he do against uh, North Texas? He made threes. And so if he can consistently get his feet set, make a three, keep defending, uh, and, and be a freak athlete like he is, uh, I think he has some real NBA potential. He's one of those guys that just passes the eye test when you watch him play basketball. Or of like, I'm, you know, I I love college basketball and watching NBA basketball for sure. But like, I, I don't offer too much like in depth analysis a lot. You know, I don't, I don't really think that way. But he's one of those guys where you just watch him play basketball. You're like, oh, this guy's good. Like this guy is good at basketball, and it, his game could translate to the next level pretty easily, like he said. So that's something for me is like, there's been guys where I'm like. You know, there's something to be said about an eye test, and there's definitely starting to be said things about like analytics and actual stats and measurables, and like that's all very important. But when I, yeah. you know, when I watch Justin Smith play basketball, I'm just like, oh wow, that is a really good play. Like, that's a really good player, and like he could definitely go and play in the NBA. And I think not only like like you said, just kind of car- not like carve out a role. He could like play in the NBA and, and play well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm I'm excited to see what he does does for this team going forward because through two games he's kind of been the guy that's done it all yeah Connor Vanover's gotten a lot of the attention as he should have I mean we've been hearing about him for over a year and the NCAA screwed him over by not letting him be eligible last year yeah Uh, but Justin Smith has been a star so far uh, and so I'm really excited to see him against some of the better competition that we play Moving on to preview the game against UT Arlington. How do we feel about that game? ESPN's uh, BPI has us at as uh, 92% favorites. So uh, looking pretty winnable. Yeah. But how do we feel? So I feel pretty good. Uh, they're projected kind of a bottom half uh, in their conference in the Sun Belt uh, this year. Their head coach is is was a great longtime assistant with Rick Barnes at Tennessee and at Texas. Uh, he's been with Chris Beard at Texas Tech. Um, so Chris Ogden, I mean, if he's somebody, he's from the state of Texas. So I think he can can build Texas Arlington into a, a decent Sun Belt program. Yeah, um, I think they've probably performed a little better than what their expectations were. I mean, they lose to Oklahoma State by seven. Oklahoma yeah. State brought in the number one recruit in the nation, and Louisiana- he's good. Yeah, Kate Cunningham, he's a ball player, there's no doubt. Um, not, yeah, not bad. Yeah. Uh, Louisiana Tech, you know, not not a bad program. Of course, they're more of a mid-major in Conference USA. They only lose by five on the road against them, and then they get their first win against Northwestern State. So uh, I think the Razorbacks should definitely win, um, but it's not going to be an 80-point victory like against <laughs> the Delta Devils of Mississippi Valley State. <laughs> Shame. 
So, yeah, it's a shame, right? <laughs> Looking ahead yeah. further, uh, how do we feel about the SEC season? Obviously, the past ugh, forever, the coaches or the media have picked us as finishing somewhere, and we finish above it. I think yeah. this year we were at six. How do we feel about that projection and kind of are we going to keep the streak alive of finishing yeah. above where everybody <laughs> predicts predicts where we're going to finish? I think there's no question about that. Um, you look at the SEC, it, it, it's really solid again. I don't think it's as good maybe as it's been the last few years, but it's still really solid. Auburn lost everybody, and then their five-star point guard has been ineligible, Sharif Cooper. So they've kind of dropped out of the picture. So your your teams you're looking at are Kentucky, as always. Tennessee is really good. LSU should be good. Uh, Florida's <laughs> going to be around there. Uh, so I, I projected Arkansas to finish fifth, but I there's no reason in my mind why they couldn't be third or fourth. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think it's, it's always kind of nice. I think Arkansas plays well when it's a little bit of a chip-on-the-shoulder kind of situation, just as a school, not only in basketball, just in yeah, general. that's in everything. Like, just yeah. – like, and it's – and it's not hard to put a chip on Arkansas' shoulder by any means. Um, no, no <laughs> not at all. Most, thing, most things are chips in our eyes. But the I will say, like you know, kind of again, just a weird kind of like I don't want to say disrespect, but kind of just didn't seem anyone learned anything from Arkansas's performance in the past, and they're just like, well, we've ranked them six, and they finished above that for the past two or three years. Well, you know, they'll probably finish six this year. We just got it. We just were unlucky the past two years. It's like, no, yeah. I think it's, I think it's, uh, we are a little undervalued and a little underappreciated. I don't feel necessarily disrespected. The SEC is good. And I mean, if you go into it thinking Auburn's going to have their five-star recruit eligible, it, it's understandable that you would think they're finishing above us as well. Um, but, you know, I think, I think Arkansas finishes well above six. I'm thinking, you know, I, I looked at the schedule realistically and I thought fourth was kind of where we landed. Um, yeah. With the teams that are coming back, just seem realistically, Tennessee's going to be very good. Kentucky's Kentucky. And if LSU can put it together, their their game plan, and they, they could be a very good team. So I think they're kind of a little bit of a wild card, but more more so on the side that they'll probably put it together. And that leaves Arkansas at four. And I think they're, I think that's kind of where we land and like kind of the expectation should be for me at least. But you know we've looked we've looked really good in our first two games, and I think you know the SEC for all intents, for all its weirdness, it's still a, as a basketball conference kind of you can you can make some noise in different ways like beating Kentucky or you know beating pulling off an upset against you know somebody like an LSU team that's really good. So I anticipate us finishing a little higher than six, and I anticipate some really fun wins that kind of get us you know pushing towards that March tournament. For sure, the one thing I, I did not understand uh, about the 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 writing from the media the the national analysts that talk about Arkansas is is before Isaiah Joe decided to go pro the second time um, uh, we were no question a top twenty five team oh this Arkansas team super dangerous top twenty good I mean that, everybody was so high on the Hogs and then he leaves yeah. and then nobody's talking about us uh, yeah I, I love Isaiah Joe I loved his two years in Fayetteville but I don't think he makes for sure that huge of an impact to where we're a bubble team to a top 20 team, you know, with him. So I just, I haven't understand the, understood the the disrespect maybe since he's decided to, to leave. So we'll see what happens. Saul, do you have any last questions for Ben? 
Uh, ben, is there a game that you feel on this upcoming season um, is there? Are there a couple matchups that you're highlighting? I mean, obviously, you know, there's marquee matchups, but is there a team that we're facing that you're like, I think this could be a better game than maybe people are anticipating, or not necessarily a trap game, but a, a game where somebody could potentially sneak up on the Hogs, and if we if we aren't careful. So you're you're saying that question, and immediately one team pops in my mind. We play them two times. Every single season, and it, it's Missouri. Uh, Arkansas fans tend to believe Missouri is terrible at basketball, and they had a really, really rough stretch with Kim Anderson. Uh, but watch out for the Mizzou Tigers this year. They return everyone on uh, yeah. from from a team that, that won 15 games, and their two best players were hurt for most of their games. So uh, they actually beat the Razorbacks in Columbia yet last year and gave them a close game in Bud Walton. So don't sleep on Missouri. They're kind of my sleeper team in the entire SEC this year. And so we played them twice, either one of them. Uh, it would not shock me if Missouri was able to pull off an upset because they, they return everybody and, and they've got some solid players. Our friend Nate over at Rock M Nation, the SB Nation site from Mizzou, is doing backflips right now. <laughs> yeah, he's going nuts. We're actually talking to him tomorrow about the Mizzou football game, and I will be sure to not mention this at all. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I, can, you know what? Just edit it out. I changed my mind. Yeah. Different team. We'll just Different cut team. this out. Uh, ben, I got one last question for you before okay. we have to go. Yeah. Why is John Calipari scared to play at Bud Walton? Like, why does Kentucky refuse to play us when there's a possibility of a full Bud Walton? It's unbelievable. I, <laughs> it's unbelievable. You know, I, I don't really know the process of that. Like, I don't, I don't know what goes into, you know, it's been three years since both, you know, you two teams have played each other twice. Let's. Put, I, don't, I don't know that process. I don't know what, what the SEC scheduling office does. I don't know. But it's insane to me that you have Kentucky, the, the best program in the SEC, and Arkansas, which might not be the second best right now, but historically is the mm-hmm. second best basketball program in the conference. How you do not schedule them twice a year, every year, blows my mind. It's a shame. It's a shame. And I know the last 20 years as a whole have been pretty mediocre, uh, but you're going to get great attendance in Bud Walton every single time. Uh, you know the TV ratings are probably pretty good, at least for a college basketball game. And, and a lot of times the games are pretty good. Yeah. So it, it blows my mind, and I'm ready to riot at the SEC office. I'll meet y'all down there. All right. Oh, well, we've already yeah. got some We're beef in. down there. With, <laughs> we got uh, some beef with the officials. SEC. <laughs> Absolutely. I got to – Ben, here's a question for you. Why does John Calipari talk like he's exclusively in a Martin Scorsese film at all times? <laughs> <laughs> Why does so, he talk like he's in The Irishman when he's giving an interview about Kentucky basketball? You know <laughs> – <laughs> kind of along the same lines, uh, every time in, in my household, like I'm visiting my parents and we've got a college basketball game on and it has Kentucky or there's a John Calipari press conference on, my mother looks at me and says, you know, I'm convinced he's in the Italian mafia. Every time. <laughs> every time. That's what my mom says. John Calipari, Italian mafia. Don't say anything bad about him or you might end up dead. Of course, someone that we need to look out for. Uh, thank you very much, Ben, for joining us on this episode. <laughs> it's been a real joy to kind of go through what looks to be a promising season, and we hope to have you on later when we've got, you know, some stats to back up whether or not this is a good team. 
Hey, man, I really appreciate you guys having me on. Really enjoyed it and uh, really excited to see what the Razorbacks do on the hardwood this year. Yeah, glad to have basketball back. You know, it was kind of up in the air as if it was going to happen for a little bit there, just like everything else this year. And again, just kind of a nice thing to have back and find some comfort in because, you know, I'm we're, we're all kind of scattered. I'm not, I'm, I'm on the West Coast right now. So watching Arkansas basketball, like, just feels like home, feels like, you know, watching the hog game with my friends and just one of the, kind of the unifying things. And especially, you know, this year football's been better. So it, it hasn't needed to be the distraction that I, I've needed it to be in the past <laughs> couple of years. Sure. Um, but, you know, still, still fired up to have it, to have it back and to have a team that's exciting and to have our large basketball son, Connor, get back on the court. Yes, yes. Well, here's what I always say when college basketball season rolls around. I quote the Christmas song, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Simply it is. having a wonderful Christmas time. <laughs> yeah. Folks, that's going to do it for Hogging the Mic. I've been Tucker Partridge. He's been Saul Malone. And our guest has been Ben Brandon. Goodness, Ben Ben Brandon. Uh <laughs> Feel free to check us out on Twitter at Tucker Partridge at Saul Malone. Uh, do you have anything you'd like to plug, Ben? Man, just keep up with our stuff at ArkansasFight.com. Lots of content. Uh, I'm writing about basketball. You got a lot of other guys writing about football and women's basketball. And once baseball season gets here, we'll have a lot of content there. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Ben Brandon Hoops. And I would love to chat with you all there. All right, we will find you on the Twitterverse during the game against UT Arlington, which is December 2nd. I believe that is Wednesday at 8 p.m. And we're finally on the SEC Network instead of SECN+. Yes. That's right. I don't have to log into the ESPN app to watch a dang basketball game. I can queue it up on a TV like a regular person. 21st Folks, century, man. This has been Hogging the Mic. Thank you very much. <laughs>